It's his second time through and he hasn't even taken a hit yet. He's a wizard. Do you realize how many outside systems I've gone into? How many programs I've appropriated? You were recruited by the Starling to defend... To defend the frontier against Zur and the Kodan Armada. I love the power glove. It's so bad. Just keep your power gloves off her, pal, huh? Damage report! Guidance system out. Auxiliary steering out. Defense! She won't answer the helm. What do we do? We die. You're listening to the Gamers Must Die podcast. I'm your host, Ben Malahan, here with Alex Moreau and Jared Riley. Hey, yo. Hello, everybody. So, you guys spend a lot of money on Black Friday, Cyber Monday? No. Aww. What? <laughs> <laughs> did you do any, like, window shopping at least? I did a little bit. There was one thing that I wanted. I was just looking at the new 3DS and waiting for the price to drop significantly, and it yeah. didn't. Really? They had, like, a 10% sale on Amazon that I saw, but that was about it, so. Yeah. What about, like, a trade-in? Thing like an existing 3DS for new 3DS. I didn't see anything about trade-ins. Mm. I might have missed an opportunity, but really, I don't need a new new 3DS right now. So all it's going to get you at this point is the ability to play Xenoblade Chronicles and faster loading times. Exactly. Like that's it. Oh no, better 3D, better 3D, which actually uh, does I make. I never a used the 3D. Now, Maybe I not, would with the new one. No, but. I never used it with the old one, but the new one, the new new 3DS, I. I wonder if anybody else calls it the new, new 3DS. I don't know what they call it. Or if that's just become a thing for us. I don't know. It's just confusing as shit. So it is confusing as shit. That's the best way to talk about it, right? <laughs> uh, well, I bought some stuff on Black Friday. I bought one of those stupid lunar white Xbox One controllers from GameStop. Because... Why do you preface it with the word stupid if you bought one? Well, I guess the reason I bought it is because uh, it has like rubberized grips and has a little bit of extra feet. Like a, the triggers have some sort of touch sense or sensitive feedback like rumble feedback that sounds really bullshit. nice and it looks nice um of course it's pure white so i'm sure it's gonna look like shit a year from now <laughs> two weeks from now you two mean two weeks from now yeah <laughs> when like the grease and like dirt of your hands has rubbed off on it exactly it's gonna stain you, it you permanently. Just start washing your hands <laughs> you're right <laughs> so i start showering and washing my hands now that i have this white <laughs> controller it uh so it's like this thing that was exclusive to gamestop it was on sale for 44 dollars or something if you traded in your own controller, you got most of it off. So, And Xbox did this thing this past year where they released um, the new controllers all now have like a 3.5, like a standard 3.5 stereo jack before you needed an adapter. So for me, it was like, well, I'm just going to trade out this old controller that needs an adapter for a new one. Plus, this one's probably going to play better, feels nicer and all that. Yeah, sweet deal. Yeah. So that jack, does that allow you to like plug in a third-party headset? Yeah. yeah. Nice. So that's what I did. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. Um, not to be confused with the Xbox One Elite controller, which is like the $150 like crazy one for people who are crazy. <laughs> what does it even feature? You know, to actually, justify that fucking $150. Is it like a hand-painted mosaic on it or something? No, it's, it's, uh, it's a tiny little naked lady who blows you every time you use it. <laughs> uh, Best it's, controller ever. <laughs> no, it's just... Um, Actually, I was reading through this for the purposes of this story. I was like, oh, you know, actually, that's that's all right. If you're like serious, a serious gamer, basically has interchangeable thumbsticks and D-pads. So you can kind of oh, customize okay. that different, like, better sensitivity for the thumbsticks. Um, but the big thing is you can customize uh, your key layout for every single game and like save those customization profiles. And then you can also like switch between them on the fly in a particular game. So that's pretty neat. But like who is really <clears throat> utilizing that? of like hardcore people who play games. Like I could imagine somebody playing like, you know, Battlefield four and they switch their control scheme when they get into a vehicle or something. I don't know. Oh, gotcha. I guess I can kind of see that. Who or knows? like if you are like accustomed to a certain button layout for fighting games, you can change it per fighting game. Yeah. And I want to say that the new Xbox um, operating system, you can customize the button layout, but this is like customized within the controller. Pro gamers always swear by those uh, custom controllers, but yeah, I remember selling them like uh, with the exchangeable D-pads and things like that for 360. I always see them on Craigslist, though, so people don't hold on to them that long, like for sale. And people think that they can get like uh, like the same price that they paid for them mm -hmm. after using same them for a couple years. Same thing with electronics on Craigslist. Everyone <laughs> thinks that. 
It's, it's so nuts. stupid. Somebody who's selling like a monitor that's 10 years old, like a CRT. Oh, this is $200. Works just fine. Yeah, it works. That's what I paid for. Yes. That's obviously what it's, it's like worth. Oh, Jesus. Why no. don't you want to buy my <laughs> shitty PS2 third party games? Like, <laughs> So apparently this, this Elite controller is actually very popular because it's sold out at all major retailers. And uh, new controllers will not ship again until the 28th of December. So you're out of luck for Christmas unless you get the system the Xbox One Elite console that includes the controller and a one terabyte hard drive. Yeah, so if you're a parent with a bratty child, get ready to shell out that cash or deal with a few tantrums. Yeah, I want to say that's, what's that, $500 for that? <laughs> so, okay. Also, before we get into news, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X was released today, this, this being Friday the 4th. Holy shit. I'm so excited. <laughs> I brought it with me. Why? I, yeah, I, I, I see I got that it on the Two way pumps. here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. I'm uh, really happy for you. I've done a lot of talking about Xenoblade Chronicles, the original on this podcast, so hopefully I'll be extolling the virtues of this game in the near future. I like how you say you're really happy for him as though he's like <laughs> got a new baby or something. Like, <laughs> I'm so happy for you. You must be so proud. <laughs> hopefully I'm going to be able to find time to play it. That's what I'm worried about. Okay. Anything else before we get into news, guys? Uh, Not on my end. You both are full, full of conversation. <laughs> okay. So the 2015 Game Awards took place yesterday, December 3rd. A lot of things happened. A lot of games won, didn't win, blah, blah, blah. Nobody gives a shit about the Video Game Awards, do they? Not so much. No. At but least for anything other than the sake of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think that people in the industry, it's kind of like their night to celebrate and stuff and and so that, that's good off. but like in terms of like everybody else like nobody I think cares you know same way I don't care when IGN and GameSpot release their you know best games of the year list like okay cool <laughs> so the big news though or the big event was uh, Hideo Kojima the creator of the Metal Gear series and the most recent uh, Metal Gear 5 was banned from going to the awards by Konami so much drama uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so like been, we should rename this podcast like the Hideo Kojima show. No, no, no. We've talked about him, but minimally. I don't even fully understand like what the conflict was or anything. Do you? Um, Konami's just super pissed at him. Yeah, there's some sort of deeper story there, but I always felt like I couldn't find enough details to talk about it intelligently. Well, what I found is just that he put his foot down. He said that he wasn't making any more fucking Metal Gear. He's like, oh. my contract is up. You can't make me make any more. I will not make any more. Okay. And we talked about how Konami is kind of evil anyway for the way they treat their employees and the fact that they are totally embracing uh, microtransactions instead of making real games mm -hmm. now. And shifting from real games to like fucking slot machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it was kind of cool because uh, the uh, host called out um, Konami on this. So I got a sound clip of that right here. Thank you very much, uh, Kiefer, for accepting that award. And... Uh, as you noticed, uh, Hideo Kojima is not here with us uh, tonight, and I want to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, Mr. Kojima had every intention of uh, being with us tonight, uh, but unfortunately he was uh, informed by a lawyer representing Konami uh, just recently that uh, he would uh, not be allowed to uh, travel to uh, tonight's awards ceremony to uh, accept um, any awards. He's saying this in front of the whole audience. Uh, <laughs> he's still under an employment contract, and it's, uh, it's disappointing, and it's... It's inconceivable to me that an artist like Hideo would not be allowed to come here and celebrate with his peers and uh, his fellow uh, teammates uh, such an incredible game as Metal Gear Solid V. But that's the situation we're in. Uh, Hideo uh, is in Tokyo right now watching the show. Um, so we want, want you to know, Hideo, that we're thinking of you. Wow. I thought that was and, really nice. Um, very classy. We, we hope actually. to see you at the yeah. Game Awards 2016. Really eloquent way of kind of dissing Konami. Yeah, but it was like, it was like super, just like civil, civil, like no drama. Like you're right, just the eloquent way he put it. So, person talking is Jeff Keeley. Keeley. Keeley must be a Canadian journalist who's uh, known for being a host on the former G4 channel, which I also never watched. You guys. No. no. I think I actually might have seen his segments way back when. Really? Yeah. So there we go. The other positive news to come out of uh, the Game Awards. Alex, you're excited about this because you just yeah. talked about the first game. This one totally surprised me. Yeah. A lot of people are surprised. Psychonauts 2 is on the way. So, wow. Yep, yep. Oh, my God. I think they, um, it's not 
I don't think I don't know if it's like 100% confirmed or not, because like I read that and I saw the teaser for it. But then almost immediately afterwards, I read that they're having a Kickstarter for it. So no, it's not even like a Kickstarter. It's like some alternate site where you actually you put the money in, but then you get back something on your investment at some point or so. Huh. So, yeah, it's like this new site. Maybe it's just a way of gauging interest. Because I know that a lot of video games are doing that, where they actually have the money to develop the game, and then they set up like a $500,000 Kickstarter to see if anybody will actually back it. Yeah, I think there's enough support for this, because this is one where like sometime last year or something, Notch, the guy who made uh, Minecraft on Twitter, told the um, head of, I believe it was Double Fine yeah. Studio, sent him a tweet or something that said, hey, or no, somebody asked the head of Double Fine what it would cost for Psychonauts for a sequel. And then he said, oh, X number of million dollars. And then Notch tweeted, oh, I'll pay for that. Because <laughs> I'm fucking rich beyond reason. It's got to be nice being fucking rich beyond reason yeah. that you can just like create sequels to your favorite yeah, games. God damn. So awesome. Um, that didn't happen, but I think it kind of got the ball rolling on this. So Right. But just like the gall of being able to say it. Like, man, I wish I could say that. Oh, yeah. Like. Oh, you need $15 million? All right, well, fuck. Yeah, I mean, I have that right here. Yep. Let's just take it, man. The, uh, the head of um, Double Fine is Tim Schafer. Do you guys recognize that name? I recognize yeah. the name. I'm trying to think of what from. He's involved in like so many good games. Um, more recent ones, he did Grim Fandango. Um, he used to work for LucasArts before he broke okay, off and okay. created Double Fine. Um, he did Grim Fandango, Broken Age, The Cave, Brutal Legend, like a lot of yeah. kind of off the beaten path games, but very, very good guy. Um, Scott Campbell is doing art direction for the second Psychonauts 2. So he did the original one, but he's also a comic book artist and like a book illustrator and things like that. I really dig his style. So. What, what year was the original one from? Do you oh, know? God. Was it like a Windows 95 game or was it... Psychonauts? Yeah, or like XP It originally came on like PS2. Okay, okay. So it was not that old. Yeah, it's not that old. It's not ancient or anything, but I think it came out when like PS2 first came out. Okay. So it has been a time and it looks dated if you play it. Like I played it last year and I had entirely forgotten like how wonky those textures look in hindsight, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Next in news, uh, Nintendo... Plans to ship 10 to 12 million Nintendo NX units in 2016. This is uh, based upon analysis by Digitimes, um, who bases their data on talking to upstream component suppliers and like Foxconn and shit like that. So you kind of get a sense of how many consoles are going to be made. So 10 to 12 million. Nintendo actually wanted to do 20 million, but I think they're only going to be able to supply 10 to 12 million. 20 million would be double the current Wii U install base like the current install base, which just hit 10 million this past July. Right, which is why I'm wondering, where the fuck did they get the number 20 million? Well, what I think is, because then you go on, the Xbox One is expected to ship 13 million in 2016, and the PS4 to ship 18 million units. So really, if they want to be competitive, they have to be up there in those numbers Right, so it's, right more like, it's more like a pipe dream. Like They're just hoping to play catch-up, so they're like, 20 million is what we need to be competitive with these other consoles. Or 10 million, you know, 10 million, it sounds like, is, would be 10 to 12 million is what they're going to ship. So I thought it was because that was just manufacturing limitations, though. Yeah, yeah, what I'm saying is, is that they'll, let's just say they sell 10 million units, that'll keep them in the game. Right, you know? okay, gotcha. Also, something I noticed in this story that somehow I didn't notice before, I don't know if you guys had noticed it before, the NX is supposed to have, uh, quote, industry-leading chips, meaning chips on par with the Xbox One and PS4. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. That came out, like, last month. Huh. So Nintendo might be making a real console now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> might get, like, third-party games on there and shit. So that's interesting. I guess we'll see where that goes. Well, just, yeah. Even though you have a good chip doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have the hardware to back it up. Well, I mean, basically, Nintendo can either do what they've done and lose again you would think they would see that but or they can uh you know just get with the times just match the goddamn heart because compared to pcs it's not like the xbox one or ps4 are like that super yeah advanced so right. so it's more like their hardware is just like actually 15 years behind <laughs> right <laughs> so yeah they just need to catch up so okay i don't have any hopes i'm not optimistic yeah i'm remaining tentative 
Because yeah. so, I read about the like they were bragging that they were going to have comparable technology to like Xbox One and PS4. I'm like, I believe it when I see it. Yeah, I mean they just <laughs> they just got like uh, Nintendo wide accounts, which you know, welcome to 2005, 2006. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so Nintendo they, really doesn't know how to compete against anyone except for Sega. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> they were damn good at competing against Sega. They killed their enemy long ago. What do they do now? <laughs> hey, they didn't kill him. Yeah, Sega won that one. <laughs> yeah, they did. Genesis was great. Genesis does what Nintendo don't. Oh, best marketing <laughs> thing ever. Um, okay. I love how you had that just like standing on the sidelines waiting for its moment. That specific clip. It, it, it didn't occur to me until Jared said that, but I have it all here at my fingertips. <laughs> so. You have the power at your hands. It's power in my hands right here. Okay, so next in news, Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is still sitting unopened on my goddamn desk. <sighs> only sold uh, 301,000 copies in the first week. The thing is, though, it was exclusive to the Xbox One and 360, so it's hard to kind of judge what that means. Yeah. Um, the first one, the first reboot, um, that this is a sequel to, sold a million copies in the first week, but that was cross-platform. So, uh, also, to put it in perspective, uh, games released at the same time, Black Ops 3 and Fallout 4, both sold over 5 million copies in their first week. Also that's, multi-platform. That's what immediately came to mind for me is that Tomb Raider had it rough because it came out at like probably the worst time. Yeah. Nobody was hyped for Tomb Raider with Fallout 4 right next to it and like Just Cause 3 and Black Ops and shit like that. Like nobody was buzzing about Tomb Raider to me. I don't know about you guys. Uh, there was buzz for it, but... It was overshadowed. I mean, Fallout 4 came out on the same day. Exactly. Like, well, yeah, there was buzz for it, but I didn't hear anybody say, like, I can't wait for Tomb Raider on X <laughs> yeah. day. They were, they were all saying, I can't wait for Fallout 4. Has anyone ever said that? 4. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I was excited for it. That's the one game I got that I didn't get Fallout 4 that day. I got Tomb Raider. Still haven't played it, but I got Tomb Raider because I, I was excited for it because I really enjoyed the reboot. Well, thank God they have at least one loyal fan. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right, Alex. I, I think that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, and just like the, obviously like the lack of other systems for it. Because like if you consider PC and PS4 as being like a part of this, a part of the overall number. Yeah. If you multiply like Xbox sales by like maybe two and a half, if you're yeah. generous, because I don't think it would sell as much on PC, but it would be pretty comparable to the original sales. We'll see how this pans out when the game gets released on the other platforms. Well, that's later. the shitty thing is that is the buzz still really going to be around when it comes out for the that's, other platforms? That's or? a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Bummer for you, Tomb Raider. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to play it still. It that's looks a, gorgeous. You have to tell us all about it. I will tell you all about my experiences. In Tomb are, we, are we skipping the PS2 news? There's PS2 news? PS2 yeah, emulation news? Oh yeah. my god, I skipped it. Yeah. Sorry. You're really excited about that, Jared. No, I was just... I have the, the itinerary right here. Sorry. It's not the itinerary. <laughs> the outline. The agenda. <laughs> okay. Last bit of news now for real. Uh, we talked about this in previous episodes, so we'll just bring it all full circle. Oh, I need that clip. What, what? clip? <laughs> you got to bring it full circle from uh, Ram uh, First Blood. Rambo First Blood. Well, speaking of Stallone, I saw a movie that you would probably really like to oh, see. Oh, shit. Do you see Creed? Yeah. How'd you like it? Super good. Damn it! Oh, damn it, I want to see it! <laughs> Fuck! I was thinking of inviting you, but I was like, ah, oh, he wouldn't go. I would totally have gone. When, like when he, did you go? Uh, I went, uh, I think on Tuesday. I haven't even heard of it. Oh, fuck you, Alex. I'm gonna, <laughs> wait, shut up, Alex. Okay, so it was good? <laughs> I, went, I went Tuesday at like 2 o'clock. Oh, you know what? No, I couldn't have done it. Damn it. Well, I'm gonna go see it sometime soon. <laughs> it was. I thought it was. It was probably one of the best. It was almost as good, or maybe better, in Rocky Balboa. So, um, the Rocky series. Yes. I mean, you were not even. You didn't ex even exist when no, the, I wasn't the a series thing. really came out. Uh, I think I saw the first one at one point. Oh, so you haven't seen them? No, oh. all of them. No, you're a bad person. Fuck. I'm often told that. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are a bad person, but you're also a really bad person for not having seen this series. Um, first one's super good. It won Best Picture. Yeah. And then the other ones kind of became like these action movies. And then they kind of brought it back to be awesome with the one that was made years later 
called Rocky Balboa. And then this is kind of like the, not like a spinoff, but it's a continuation of the story, but they're kind of moving the focus over to a new character. Okay. So. Um, the son of the dead Apollo Creed. <laughs> oh, that's a huge spoiler for her. She's going to watch the series. Oh, well. Shit. I don't know if I'm going to watch the series. Oh, you're going to watch the goddamn gonna... series. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Apollo Creed's dead. It's fucking 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, how could you not? Okay, what were we talking about? PS2 emulation? Yep. I'm just going to go missing for like a week. People will wonder where I am, and I'm just like like chained to a chair in Ben's garage watching Rocky. I, <laughs> do, I have the Blu-rays. Oh, the Slender of the Blu-rays. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. I have the DVDs, I was going to say, but <laughs> Blu-rays better. Um, PS2 emulation is now officially coming to PS4. We kind of talked about this was kind of like rumored... Uh, but this is different than what I was talking about, where they bring those PSN games to play on the PS4. Really, they're going to do it game by game. Yep. Like the Xbox One's doing it with the 360 games. So um, they're going to release them in chunks. Like right now, uh, tomorrow, actually the 5th, Saturday the 5th, they're going to release uh, eight titles, um, which include all the PS3, uh, or sorry, PS2, Grand Theft Auto games, and Dark Cloud and each game features trophy support, blah, blah, blah. But again, this is not what I was hoping for. Because now, basically, you still need to own a PS3 if you want to play those classic games. Right? Yeah. I mean, and you also... PS4? No, you need to own a PS3. What? Because they're not going to bring them all to the... Like, the games you own, like the PS2 games that you own, and the PS1 games, too, that you own on uh, your PS3, you have to play them on PS3 or your Vita. You're not going to be able to play those PS2 games on the P- PS4. Oh, what the fuck? Unless they port that specific game i'm assuming that if they port that specific game you'll have access to it but i'm not positive from what i read so, okay. any, so any game you bought in the past is just not going to be playable is well that- i mean it's on the ps3 but yeah the ps4 does not have support for you know the ps1 and ps2 classics the same way the ps3 does that's that's not very good right so that that's my i mean <laughs> and like you still have to buy them individually it's nothing like the xbox backwards compatibility yeah and they're rather so, expensive, really, for old games. And they stuff. are. I mean, it's ten bucks for oh, like actually, a super outdated GTA game. I think that the prices are pretty reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you can buy like the old like Shin Megami Tensei games for pretty cheap. Yeah. I don't know. I'm only concerned with how much Parappa the Rapper is going to cost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, sp- I think I spent fifteen on uh, Final Fantasy. Uh, no. Yeah, Final Fantasy ten. Oh, that was the remake, the HD remake, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that came. So, with, it also came with Final Fantasy X too. So we're talking about low res games. I'm talking about PS2 games, were like <laughs> yep. ten bucks on the PlayStation Network. Okay, god damn, that's enough news. Yeah. Okay. I'm sick of news. Jesus. So much news. Gamers must die. Top three list of the week. I'm sick of Gamers news almost as much die. as I'm sick of you. Top three list. I think they're gonna see this <laughs> intro. <laughs> You're not headbanging this time, just Alex is. So I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alex, what do we got for the top three list of the week? Top three list today is favorite stories. Favorite video game stories. Yep. Qualify that however you will. No, you did qualify it, though, when you initially explained it to us. So well, that, that impacted my choices. Okay. <laughs> you um, said top three video game stories you got the most invested in. Yeah, like most immersive stories, I guess. For you individually. Yes. Okay. That's important. <laughs> you can recognize the story. We're going go- off immersion, though. I thought we were going off what we thought were technically the best stories. Oh Jesus! Bo- you both, you both are just confusing this is, this me. This is the worst. This is horrible. This is the Guys, worst thing that's ever happened to me. Said you use your own reasoning for your list. But you said the words them. got most invested in. I was brainstorming. <laughs> oh my god, this is so so, so terrible already. So, so now we're going immersion fall. versus uh, technical uh, <laughs> storytelling. Guys, just use, Fuck. just explain your reasoning behind your choices, and then everything will be beautiful. This is too ambiguous, Alex. Help me, help you, help me, help you, <laughs> help me, help you. Seriously, that's get an unfortunate to, clip to have like whispering directly into your ear. <laughs> but this is just like when I tried to like make us make a fucking mascot list, and they're too ambiguous about what a mascot was. But yeah, well, you're, you're be very, less ambiguous. I get you're a very ambiguous person. I'll write you a fucking paragraph. All right. All my top threes have never been all that ambiguous. No, so. it's been very clear. 
You guys never make fucking top threes. I do all the time. I've made great top threes. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's let's start your weird, ambiguous list, Alex. Why don't you, go, why don't you go first? All right. Number one on my list is uh, Halo. Just kind of like the series. and Well, actually, not the series in general. Halo 1 through 3. Um, lukewarm, inclusive of Reach. Fantastic hey, stories. I liked Reach. Yeah. I thought Reach, Reach is one of the best stories. I'm saying lukewarm, inclusive because it was kind of... Like, the continuity was weird when they threw in shit like ODST and stuff like that between Reach and 3. Okay, well, that's ODST's fault, right? Okay, then. Why hate on Reach? <laughs> I did like Reach a lot, but, um... Changes their tune now. I know. <laughs> I can't oh make up her mind what her favorite story is. I'm trying to give my list here. <laughs> All right. Give it, stop busting my fucking balls. I'm only on number one. <laughs> okay, um... But, yeah, I really love the Halo universe. I read the first three books i think there are four or five out right now but um really fantastic setting really started to care for characters i didn't think that i would like i thought that master chief was just gonna kind of be this like personality black hole it's like a blank slate exactly but they develop him through the games and through the books and he became like incredibly likable same thing with cortana i didn't expect to come away with such like i felt like i had like a close relationship with her by the end of three yeah she became a fantastic character and I just kind of liked the combination of like religious mythology with sci-fi. It tends to turn into good stories. I agree. I like that series. The story, well, even the story in one, which was you know, not it was more the universe setup in one that was right. so cool. What about Halo Five? Do you have any interest in playing that? Not particularly, especially yeah. since I've heard that the writing is kind of poop. Oh, uh, mm. so uh, there's that. Okay, what's next? There's. Like, the one thing that I know of Halo 5 is that it has really shitty one-liners in it. Oh, like, that's not good. If we go, if we get out of this alive, I'm going to buy you a beer. And then, motherfucker, if we get out of this alive, I'll buy you a whole bar. <laughs> that kind of <laughs> Jesus. Thing. That's not good. Um, that's a great line. Ugh. Yeah. If I were a life or death scenario right now, I would, I would definitely say something like Whip that. Whip that line out. <laughs> You do both parts of it yourself Something because similar. Ben and I won't set it up for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is in like entirely different from Halo, um, Undertale, which I played just a couple weeks ago. Um, I wasn't expecting really any sort of story for that. I thought it would just be kind of cute, weird, earthboundy humor and like yeah. um, battle gags and leave it at that. But I got super attached to the characters. Because um, they get fleshed out a lot more than you'd think. Um, they start to develop like little relationships with each other and special relationships with the main character. And it actually had like a really trippy ending that came entirely out of left field, huh. which was fantastic. And then I just bawled like a baby at the end. So, <laughs> Is that the one that's full of like kind of like an earthbound? Yeah, and like the battle characteristics are kind of like bullet hell where you just like dodge little bullets to stay alive and things like that yeah but um yeah it's an rpg with a really kind of bizarre sense of humor hipstery sense of humor <laughs> you've you defined before in this podcast yes a very hipstery sense of humor <laughs> <laughs> a very too too cool for school sense of humor no it's just like this obvious fucking self-aware stupid jokes Ugh. Man, they're pandering right up my alley, though. I'm I know. Just, I'm just eating that shit up. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> oh, I really do like it, though. <laughs> Apparently. But, um, and my third one is the Walking Dead game, which, again, I, oh, I didn't expect to care for those. Telltale games? Yes, I am. Okay. I didn't expect <laughs> to care for the main characters nearly as much as I did. And again, it just made me fucking cry in the end. When I was compiling this list, I thought about like what really emotionally compromised me the quickest. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Walking Dead was up there. It kind of removed some of the impact that I had. I was almost 100% certain of the ending before it even came about. Yeah. But um, I really liked that spoiler if you haven't played like this fucking five-year-old game. I really liked that the end antagonist like the final boss was just kind of some rando yeah 
thought that was a really interesting plot twist and that he kind of acknowledged he's like what you thought i was going to be somebody that you knew what are the chances of that happening yeah <laughs> so uh i was pretty fucking underwhelmed with the ending with the whole game with the whole with the story I thought I thought it was I I really thought the portrayal of the little kid character was good. Yeah, Clementine. Uh, Clementine, yeah, and the relationship between her and you know the the protagonist was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I just thought all the stuff that happened and it was almost it was stupider than the shit that happens on the TV show. Like it just it was the just frustrating things where like people are acting entirely irrationally and you're like, why are you fucking doing this? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna visit this farm. Oh, fuck, they're cannibals. Oh, like just just shit like that. Just. Got to me. Can see the cannibal thing coming from a mile away, right? Yeah, I mean, just just nothing about it was super thrilling in terms of story. It was all just kind of recycled themes and stuff. I just also the thing I really hated was that your choices didn't mean shit. I think I've talked it's about true. this before. Because that was you, a gameplay issue. Because definitely. like you could uh, you could basically choose to at one point like banish this character and. If you banish her, she walks away. Or if you decide to keep her, she'll end up leaving, you know, half an hour later anyway for yeah. some reason. Or if a character, if you choose between one character living and one character dying, that character's not going to be around for very long anyway, no matter what choice you make. I'm not shitting on your choice. A lot of people love that game. I just, to me, everything was just so um, shallow and the fucking plot, like the overall plot, not the characters. The characters were good. Overall plot just reminded me too much of the shitty TV show. So. No, I can entirely sympathize with that because I wasn't fond of the overall plot. Yeah. I think it was really just the Lee and Clementine chemistry that yeah. made it for me. And like the occasional little twist, like the antagonist or getting bitten. I didn't anticipate getting fucking bitten. Oh, the way it happened outside. too. Yeah. yeah. The way yeah. it happened was super shitty. Yeah. And I was like, man, you should have seen that coming from like a mile away. Yeah. But... That's the way it go oh, the starving kid in the attic did not anticipate mm, that. Yep. That was sad. Yeah, so no, it definitely had its moments. And I'd like, yeah, the characters were pretty good on the whole, and especially Clementine and, and Lee. But uh, Man, the decision thing was so frustrating, though. As soon as I did my first playthrough, I went and found a decision tree to see, like, oh, what could I have done to produce a different ending, yeah. right? And then I just realized it kind of has the shape of a diamond because it branches outwards. But then it all trickles right back inwards to the exact same ending. And, and much, quickly, so. though, too. Not just like it branches out and there's like a lot of other stuff that happens. No, it's just it's barely different. And then it comes back together. To exactly. Be, yeah. So that was, that was my complaint. It's called the illusion of choice. Ooh, <laughs> you're getting all philosophical. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> it's just an allegory for real life. Oh, if you think about before it. we move on to Jared, let me ask you, did you play the second season? No, but I actually have it sitting in my library and it's queued up for me. All right, so. I was going to say, I'll, I'll be curious to hear your opinion of that because I, I am, might be interested in that if it's improved the story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into a uh, Telltale Games game that I recently bought, which was uh, Back to the Future. I'm, oh, looking, I'm looking oh. forward to trying that. And? That's it. He hasn't tried it yet. Oh, I thought it was on your list. Okay, what's your oh. list? Oh, are you ready for me now? Yeah, yeah I'm ready for you. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's a shame that you guys listening will never get to see like the tiny like little hop and shoulder roll that Jared did. Sorry, continue. It's a real shame. <laughs> yeah, you're missing a lot. Um, I think that the best video game technically ever made is probably Mass Effect One. Because <laughs> I mean, the, with the the blend of met of like action. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, just a second. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. Obligatory. It wouldn't be a proper mentioning of Mass Effect without that clip. Absolutely. Okay, so go ahead, Jerry. Sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> Wasn't that uh, from Mass Effect 2, though? Yes. Yes. See, I'm talking about Mass Effect 1 here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not a huge fan of 2 or 3, uh, but I think the first one that just has a standalone game is just just the epic, epic story. Yeah. Yeah. Just the blend of the action and music together, just... Perfect and great characters, great dialogue. Yeah, really. I, I have I have no notes for them. <laughs> really great world building too. Yeah, I loved all the different alien species that were in that game. It's really hard to make me care these days about a new IP. Exactly. And they did it so well. It's not established. That, I mean, it was totally new to me. I actually cared about the world, all the new races, all the characters, all yep. everything, locations. Yep. Backstory. I was like, oh, this is cool. Like um, when they when they, I forget, I forget which planet you go to, but they talk about like the origin of man at one point. It's all like two thousand one space odyssey ish. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Did you yeah. read, like, all the plan oh. descriptions and do all the side missions? Yeah. That was, like, a Mako mission. It was, like, some obscure side quest. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, stuff like that. You're abs- yep. It's, like, mankind once... <laughs> or, no, actually, Shepard had a vision. That was what happened as, like, a caveman. Yeah. Like, observing, <laughs> like, uh, whatever the precursor's race was. Yeah. I forget what they're called, actually, now, but... Protheans? Protheans. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good game. <laughs> You know what, another cool thing is like there's also other little things like the mission on the moon that you go to. Not I'm not talking about the DLC, but just like the regular moon mission where you go and like the intelligence is taken. Yeah. You know the AI has become intelligent and is fighting back. Well, then eventually that comes full circle in like Mass Effect three, maybe it's two, where they say that that intelligence eventually went into making the uh, intelligence for the ship. What's her name? Oh shit! Evie. Evie. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like that thing that you dealt with eventually became kind of Evie. So yeah, cool. I remember that. I don't know. Just <laughs> the whole. It's just. I never got a, that tidbit. It's such a well-built world and and stuff. So and a lot of it was just pure text too. You're just reading through like summaries or people's emails or. Yeah, it's worth reading though. Yeah, everything's worth reading. Yeah. I went that. through everything that I picked up. Good stuff. Um. Next, uh, after that, I having a hard time with this list. I, I, I'm going. I'm going to go for Final Fantasy IX because I thought that was just a a really good story with like a sort of rags to riches. Sort of. I mean, not really. He wasn't rich. He was just <laughs> he was just getting more powerful throughout the story. Then Zidane, I think that was his name. Zidane. Yeah, you you played that right? Yeah. I like how he just sort of starts like this this thief guy on like this theater ship and you don't really know what's going on and it just sort of keeps going, going, going and escalating. Let's see. My next one, I'm going to go for Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Classic choice. Yeah, I had to go for something classic. It was, it was between that, Warcraft 3, and I don't know. I was, I was playing around with Star Tropics maybe, but I don't remember the story for that that well. Mm. I considered Warcraft, but I don't like. In hindsight, I don't think the stories were actually good. I uh, just loved them. It's, I feel like, like Warcraft three and the expansion were pretty damn good. Yeah. Plus, I'm playing that right now, and it's still fucking awesome. <laughs> I just didn't find them to be like particularly like deep or pivotal. They're definitely like entertaining, yeah, but okay, it was like okay. the junk food of like the writing world, right? I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean. Well, it also recycles a lot of the same themes, you know, female character gets captured, turned into the enemy. Yep. They're, I mean, they're, they're building lore in a world basically off of really shallow games that, that were their predecessors. You know, StarCraft Two to me really felt like they were doing the same thing. They're building this world um, that has room to, you know, grow and where there's potential enemies still lurking and whatnot. I feel like, especially in Legacy of the Void, holy shit, I feel like they're going to do a StarCraft MMO just based upon it had the same tone as Warcraft um, 3 and the Frozen Throne especially did where they're kind of just like building this world. Yeah, they're trying to like establish culture within the Protoss and things like yeah, that. And- yeah, and just like where everybody's going from here, what all the future conflicts might be. Like it's to me, I, I feel like they're setting they're just teeing it up for an MMO down the road. All right. Sorry, Jared. I was considering StarCraft 2 or StarCraft, but. I I don't really I'm not really that invested in those in those stories I guess yeah I like Liberty's Crusade though that was that was a good oh Wings good of Liberty story. oh Wings of Liberty yeah yeah that's it for my list then okay well I would have mentioned Mass Effect I'm sure you would have too Alex but we knew Jared was going to mention it there's just nothing better than it it's 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 <laughs> it's pretty damn well done I, uh, ca- I just <clears throat> kind of subbed it for Halo I was like eh. <laughs> um for Second me favorite sci-fi Shadow movie. Run on the Super Nintendo awesome story. It's this very unique RPG. You wake up with amnesia and you slowly find out kind of who you were and like who's trying to kill you and stuff. Like it's not like a groundbreaking story, but for me, like we said, the topic, the one you got most invested in, I got very invested in that story. So it's a pretty classic game. Most people know about it. Um, man, I just thought of a new one. Uh, so I'm kind of teetering between um, Devil Survivor Overclock, which we've talked about a lot, mm-hmm. and Nino Cooney. Because I, oh, I really dug that. Damn it. I know. See, it just popped up in my head. I'm like, oh, shit. Honorable mention to Nino Kuni yeah. for me. 
That so, was another one that made me cry that, everywhere. Oh, that was a great, great game. It was just so sweet. Yeah. It was so it, nice. It's hard to, like, I don't, I can't believe that I liked it because it was so, just, yeah. I didn't particularly like it. You Well, you're heartless, Jared. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll go with Devil Survivor because that, to me, was super immersive. I love the first game and this, the, the setting and the tone. And we've talked about that quite a bit, so I won't go further. Um, last but not least, Xenoblade Chronicles. Love the story. Love the characters. Um, I think the fact that the whole world is based on these two giants who are like locked in this epic battle, who have kind of frozen in this battle, and the whole world is built on top of these giants is fucking cool as shit. And the fact that the game really sticks with that, explains it and rationalizes it, and like everything. like It's just it's an incredibly well-built world. And I like the characters a lot. Um... I think I'll say a little spoiler here. So if you don't want to know any spoilers for Xenoblade Chronicles, the first two hours of the game, then stop listening for a second. In the first two hours, you know, your protagonist has this uh, female um, friend, like, you know, obviously the best friend growing up. Right. Whatnot. Childhood friend trope. Yeah, GRPG trope. Yeah. Um, and uh, then when the shit goes down and the bad guys hit your hometown, another trope. Um, she actually gets fucking brutally murdered. Oh, huh. Yeah. Usually it would be like her parents or something. Oh, no, or... she gets fucking killed in front of him. Ooh. And like, it's these fucking robots who have, um, are basically invincible, like no weapons or hurt them, except for this one thing called the Monado. It's a sword. But the guy who wielded the Monado before, who could like tolerate, because it, nobody can wield the Monado either, but this guy could tolerate it. But last time he fought these robots, he like, got super hurt so he can't wield it anymore like his his left arm's like dead at his side but then your main character upon seeing like his fucking like friend and you know secret love of his life whatever get killed like it's so fucking angry and it's like picks up an auto and just starts like killing these robots like oh it's so awesome so they set you up emotionally because they made you attached to her for like two hours and then they brutally murdered her (laughs) in front of you yeah that's pretty good oh if they had done it within like like the first 10 minutes like most video games do it wouldn't have had nearly as much impact no you thought she'd be part of your main party for the whole game basically she'd Um, be like your healer or some shit yeah and like (laughs) i did not see her death coming and it was just it was so well done and it gave the main character so much motivation for what they then go go and do like it's great setup for the story so uh Okay. Well, thanks for a spoiler. I'll never play it now. <laughs> All right, I that's cannot it. disassociate like you from Xenoblade Chronicles. I know. Every- People have been talking about it. I'm just like. <laughs> I know. The whole time you're playing, you're going to think of me, both of you. Mm-hmm. Your gonna- ears like prick a little bit every time <laughs> either oh, Jared or I mention it. I'm actually, it's one of the first JRPGs I'm thinking about replaying so soon after. When I finish this Xenoblade Chronicles X, I might go replay the original. Oh, calm down there. I know. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, good God. Okay, so let's, uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and... Let's go ahead and do, let's do the worst thing. Sure. The worst thing that ever happened to us this week. Okay, so it's really... This is going to be a very brief worst thing because I don't really care that much, but (laughs) it's kind of reinforces kind of stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, When you're like emotionally dead, like a slightly bad thing is the worst thing that you have in a week. (laughs) Very, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that just means your life's really good. (laughs) I got this for you, Alex. You merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. So, wow. (laughs) You got some new material there. I know. Okay. Um, Worst movie ever. Oh, it was all right. It was a terrible fucking movie. No, it wasn't terrible. That was that movie was one big plot hole. It just wasn't particularly memorable to me. I'm still caught up on Dark Knight. Like <laughs> it, uh, it was it's because they based it on a bunch of fucking stupid comics. They should have just. It was not the comics' fault that that movie was fucking awful. Well, it had a lot of the thing elements for the comics they tried to shoehorn in there. Yeah, they shoehorned in a lot. Yeah. I'm just saying that if they had just written an original story, it would have been so much better. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I just, I just don't think you should blame the comics. You should blame uh, Nolan. Well, he made up for it with Interstellar, in my opinion. So. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. Okay. Yeah, nobody really can. 
Okay, so a Fallout 4 dev made an offhand comment about a quest in the game, and the internet went full Aspie on him. And I say that not derogatory way, because it, but because it describes a certain type of behavior that online people who have Asperger's. You're, you're not gonna get away. <laughs> Yeah, there's no way that you can frame that where it doesn't sound derogatory. Okay. That's all right. I'm just I'm just so charged up from this uh, season of South Park railing on PC. This is a PC free room. This is, this is also like this is a safe zone for non PC. This is also like the the biggest uh, out backlash against South Park I've ever really seen in, in previous seasons with all the people being like, oh, you guys are out of touch. People are starting to hate on their libertarian values, I think. Wait, are people actually, like, mad at the season? They're not, like, agreeing with it? A lot of people are not liking it. Oh, jeez. Oh, not me. I love it. Yeah, don't yeah. I wrong. just, like, having the time of my life with it. Yeah. But don't underestimate how many, like, so social justice warriors there are now. Like, actually, and who actually believe this shit and her... Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, fuck them. Um, Sorry, continue. So on what was the tweet? Yeah, so on Twitter, um, Bethesda's Vice President Pete Hines was asked via, you know, via Twitter, via, via tweets, about some sort of piece of lore and a personal log in a Fallout 4 quest that didn't match up with the timeline that existed already. Someone else was like, oh, how can a ghoul survive 200 years without food based upon another quest? Blah, 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 blah. And Hines responded with this tweet said, not interested in discussing how realistic things are in an alternate universe post-apoc game with talking mutants and ghouls. Of course, everybody got really, really pissed and he became the most hated person of the day. Uh, because they all wanted him to bend over and be like, I'm so sorry, one of my writers got this obscure detail yeah, so incorrect. Everybody's like, oh, well, fuck, but Bethesda doesn't even care about their lore and blah, blah, blah. But It's like, Jesus Christ. Remember in, the, in Fallout 3... If you nuke Megaton, then you show up again. Like, there's like an annoying girl there who like is a ghoul now because she just got nuked. Yeah. But it's like, aren't didn't ghouls like happen over time? And so like shit like that's been around the whole series for since the goddamn beginning. Yeah. So anyway, um, so these people are all very. Here's what it is: people get wrapped up and they want, they want the developer to acknowledge them. The worst thing a developer can do is dismiss a player's opinions audibly. Yeah. So basically, players, if they, if they realize that their opinion means shit to you, that's when they get pissed. I mean, they get pissed over other stuff, but that's when they really get pissed. When they realize that what they do does not matter to you, you know, or their or they're stupid bullshit that they're all worked up about doesn't mean a thing to you. That's when they get pissed. So um, people were tweeting at them. Uh, one tweet that I pulled out was a guy who said, you're pretty shitty at your job, almost as bad as the writers that work at Bethesda. How unprofessional a PR guy or can a PR guy be? I pulled this out because everybody on the internet complains about, oh, this particular person is not very good at PR. And you know what PR is? PR is not replying to your goddamn tweet in the first place. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, whoever was handling his Twitter account really should have, like, just put a cap on that one. What I'm saying is that gamers say, uh, first of all, nobody should have Twitter. This, this just proves that Twitter... Only bad a, people use Twitter. That's seriously, Twitter's <laughs> fucking horrible. Like, Twitter is a place where people go... To rile shit up, like no, nobody has ever made a tweet that's changed lives. It's always a tweet that's like ended their career or pissed people off and made them end their career. You know, just shit like that. So Twitter just there's no reason, unless you're marketing something, um, and you're not like like if you're the vice president of a gaming company, just get off Twitter because holy shit, there's no rewards for you there. <laughs> Circling back to South Park, you just hire somebody else to dig through your twitters and post them. <laughs> well, no, in South Park they're hiring uh, kids. Well, <laughs> They were hiring kids to make sure that there were no mean tweets. Yeah. Like, all the mean tweets were filtered out. Yeah. Well, this guy, <laughs> what, these were all mean tweets this day for this guy. Um, but the whole PR thing, PR is the, is the person in question not even talking to you or sending you a, a form reply that isn't personalized to you at all. So these people want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to be able to have this dialogue with developers and people who make these games and stuff, and this is outside of gaming too, but we'll keep a focus on gaming. They want to have this dialogue. But they only want their boots kissed. Yes, they want this perfect answer from this person who's so humble and who doesn't have opinion, strong opinions and who really is just kind of generic. So really, do you want somebody to have a discussion with you or do you want to just be, have your ass kissed? A lot of people these days are just expecting like a shoebox of merch to show up at their door. You're right. So You're right. They are. <laughs> You're absolutely right. They just be like, 
oh, thank you for pointing out that uh, that loop. Let's send you some bobbleheads. Yeah, exactly, right? When some topic like this is being discussed and somebody in an argument brings up, oh, you know, hire a better PR team. Well, the better PR team is the one where you're never going to get a response in the first place, so go <laughs> fuck yourself. I really like how that one dude is just calling all the Bethesda writers shit for this one tiny issue. If they're a fan of, like, Bethesda games, then you're in it for the story and the writing, like, in part, at least. The people who do this kind of, who participate in these kind of things are nothing if they're not blowing things way out of proportion all the time. Like, everything's hyperbole. But they, it's hyperbole that they believe. Right. Yeah. Man, life would be such a roller coaster for these people. <laughs> like, they wake up and they're just, like, ecstatic and they're just like, my raisin bread is going to be the best part of my day. And they get there and it's empty and they're just like, this is the fucking worst thing that's ever <laughs> happened to me. Yeah. Like... <laughs> As long as there's somebody else to blame for it. Mm. Somebody else had to be blamed. Fucking raisin bran. Why does half the bag have to be empty when I buy it? Yeah, so, and then they tweet about it to the raisin bran PR people and raisin bran PR people would ignore them. It's like a daily thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> raisin bran is a great day, way to start my day because it's great fiber. makes me poop. And I blame my, I blame my mom if, uh, if I run out. <laughs> okay. Well, with that note, let's uh, go into some what you've been playing, bro. What you been playing, bro? What, what you been playing, bro? What, what you been playing, bro? What, what you been playing, bro? playing Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Have... That's, like, that's like an older game, like a year old or something, right? Or two years old? Um, Pirate's Curse is like a year old. The original Shantae, I think that came out for like GBA or something. Okay, okay, so it's been a series that's around for a yeah. while. Okay, okay, okay. But um, it's made by WayForward Games. And so they're the, they're the people that did the Scott Pilgrim game, the Adventure Time game. Um, they are just kind of known for really fantastic soundtracks and like 8-bit graphics. Okay. And so Shantae is a platformer and it's really it has really kind of classic gameplay it reminds me of like the aladdin game i was just thinking aladdin when you're talking about that yes yeah okay um maybe i'm just thinking that because she's a fucking genie though and she looks remarkably like jasmine yeah but um the main character that is but uh it's a very solid platformer like uh control wise it's really smooth and you know with things like the Aladdin game, uh, um, the gameplay could be kind of awkward because the jumps weren't like perfectly synced with where the character model was actually moving yeah. or just like I don't, when you press the buttons, there would be like a certain delay in reaction or something like that. But um, Shantae is really finely tuned. So everything happens when you think it would happen. Everything jumps the distance you would expect it to jump, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Like really great attention to detail as far as the mechanics goes. But aside from that, it's just really pretty. And the soundtrack is really fun, and it's got really nice little sense of humor too. So, um, is it, would you say it's a uh, hipstery sense of humor? Not really. No, <laughs> it's okay. kind of, it's more like um, oh man, how can I even phrase it? Dorky kind of older humor, like Monkey Island kind of thing. Okay, okay, I'm I'm down with Monkey Island. Yeah, but like the whole thing um, has think, the spirit of those older games. I feel like Monkey Island was kind of the the gateway drug to hipster humor. In video games, but <laughs> it was the original. <laughs> but it's okay. Monkey Island was actually legitimately funny, so I'll I'll let it slide. Yeah, I've been digging it, blazing through it. The really nice thing about it is that it has a ton of levels, and the levels are pretty short, so um, you just end up doing a lot of uh, boss battles and switching things up, and like doing little challenge levels sporadically, which yeah. is very nice. Um, what uh, system is it for? I've been playing it on PC. But is it available for like 3DS and stuff? Yeah. Okay. Was, okay. It is actually available for 3DS. Okay. Cool. And uh, it looks great on 3DS too. So if you want to play it there instead, I think it would actually feel pretty nice with a handheld system. Yeah. Jared? Um, I'm still playing Vanilla WoW. <clears throat> that's gonna be a, that's gonna be his answer for a while. <laughs> that's fine, because I, I, <laughs> I still want to ask the question. Are all those accusations of you having rose-colored glasses still inaccurate? Still inaccurate. Um, so it actually is better. I haven't been playing a ton. Uh, all my characters are around level twenty right now. Oh, I'm, that's I'm pretty trying good. To, I'm trying to decide which of my three I'm, I want to be my main. Yeah, sort of. Who you're actually going to cap out? My uh, my warrior, my my troll warrior, um, prot spec. By the way, nice. Apparently, classic. Well, no, because everyone always said back in classic, don't play prot. 
because it sucks. <laughs> no, they said don't play prot for single play, like when you're playing on by yourself, because it was hard. Well, I'm actually having a better time leveling with this guy than I did back when I was playing in Arms Warriors, so I think people are kind of stupid. I believe that because my fucking Fury Warrior back in vanilla was hard as shit to play. I know. I died I think all maybe, the time. Maybe just all warriors are hard to play. They I can are. make a fucking warrior in oh, vanilla. They were difficult. They were yeah. not. It was it was work. And be prepared to, <laughs> And tanking is work too. It's hard. God, yeah. it's hard. You can't just press one button and ag everything. You have no, to like, work. No, you were so involved in every single pull. And, yeah. Yeah. So I have him. I have a, a resto shaman uh, orc and a uh, orc warlock. They're all level 20. Cool. So trying to figure out what I want to do for professions and for my main and all that. I would go with the warlock. Yeah, that's what that's I was going to say. Main. Yeah. I'm thinking about just give him a 60. I don't know. We'll see. But I haven't been playing a lot lately because I'm I, I'm trying to to lure it up a little bit, I'm trying to get really into into the Warcraft lore mindset. So yeah. what I'm doing, I have all the novels. So I'm going chronologically through the novels, uh, and I'm and I'm all and uh, once I hit the events of the third war, I'm going to I'm going to continue my playthrough of uh, Warcraft three as well. Nice. So last episode we were talking about how uh, Travis. Vanel, I think his name is, is a little young to play Andrew, Andrew and Lothar. Oh, yeah. You were mentioned that. Now that I've actually That's read the Vikings books. Guy, right? Oh, yeah. He's way too young to play him because that guy's like bald and like has like white hair and stuff. I mean, <laughs> he's really old. Yeah. <laughs> he's like grandpa old almost. It's not it's not a great casting call for sure. Well, okay. They're probably expecting that like the vast, vast majority of the people who are going to watch this movie are not Jared level lore <laughs> adequate. <laughs> Yeah, are you going to send ang- angry tweets to the writers that they got some lore wrong and shit? No. Okay, I'm probably just going to watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be very normal of you. <laughs> um, okay. So I've been playing Heroes of the Storm. And uh, I'm playing it because I'm designing a, or I'm creating my next game as a MOBA. And I have held off playing it because I want to kind of set my game, like all the basics in place and just the way it played in place before I really played other MOBAs a lot. Um, I was very surprised because I didn't really care for Dota 2. I didn't really care for League of Legends, but freaking Heroes of the Storm is so good. Really? Yeah. What sets it aside? The big thing is that um, they streamlined a lot of the bullshit that doesn't matter. It's, it's a lot less complex, which... Like having to buy items and stuff before the battle starts? Yeah, like shit like that. Like, they just... It's not a concern. Also, the other big thing is every map plays so differently. It has a different theme and just is, a, is like a different strategy. Each time for each map, you know, including what skills you want to choose for that map sometimes. So to me, it's it's the best executed MOBA that I've played. I understand people who want more complexity, but I feel like a lot of complexity in Dota 2 and League of Legends is just, just over the top. Especially like stuff like having to get the last fucking hit on a minion to get the experience for yeah. it. Jesus Christ. That was bad design back when it was a Warcraft 3 map. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like there'd be additional complexity with like the more challenging or like diverse maps too, right? So yeah, th- th- there is. I mean, you basically have to learn the map and uh, adjust your strategy for the map. And um, I mean, there is definitely room for more complexity. Um, but I've just been very surprised by just how good the game is and just how accessible—not just not just accessible, but just just fun. You don't have to be super good at the game to just know what you're doing. And uh, anyway. That sounds about right. That's like, that's pretty much what I expected of it. Just yeah. Because it's like fucking, it's taking a really nice concept and it's just making it brutally efficient because you're working with this massive company like Blizzard, right? They yeah. can throw so much human labor at this. Yeah. And I'm not too familiar exactly with Dota 2 and League of Legends, how they do their um, uh, microtransactions, but uh, Blizzard, like their, their skins on their characters change the whole character. Um like there's a the character Nova who's the ghost in StarCraft. You know, there's a version of her skin where she's dressed as a Boazon uh, Amazon from Diablo 2. And they do like corrupted Tyrael or uh, Angel Diablo and just stuff like that that changes the way their uh, abilities work or not the way their abilities appear. That's really cool. Yeah. Because I haven't seen anything about like abilities changing from things like League of Legends or Dota. Yeah, so I, I I couldn't say definitively they don't have that, but in in uh, here's the storm. It was right up front, and it's fucking cool. And so it actually would give, 
I feel a lot more incentive to you know want to spend that money on those just random things like skins. I don't like right. things that change established character canon. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? You, you want Heroes of Storm to be canon? <laughs> um, the one thing I will say is the fucking. Whenever I see a fucking panda character from you know, uh, they actually have fucking, those. They have a couple panda characters. Yeah. They just piss me the fuck off. Like Lily. And I never even played that that expansion for WoW. Just the way they are, regardless of whatever happened in the panda expansion, they're fucking annoying as shit in uh, Heroes of the Storm. So. You know, it's kind of hilarious. Um. I, I I was playing World of Warcraft to try it out, you know, for uh, a week or whatever. Yeah, I didn't see a single panda. You're probably so ostracized. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some pandas. I've. But man. you play alliance though. I'm sure there's all sorts of pandas in alliance. Really? Yeah. Well, wait, you, oh, that's right. Pandas could be both. Yeah. yeah uh, you, you just strike me as an ally. That's why no. I don't respect you very much. No, but she, now I guess I have a little bit more respect she, for she you. She never struck me as an ally. I really? play undead and troll. Shit. Oh man, that's now legit. I have even more respect for that's it. That's some legit, that's some legit <laughs> horde. I've never respected you so much in your entire life until this moment. <laughs> Thank you, I've been waiting. <laughs> Almost a year now I've been waiting. <laughs> um, the, the best thing that came out of Pandaria was just the landscape, though. Yeah. I really enjoyed exploring the continent, but I just fucking did not like the race. Same thing with Worgen. I didn't like Worgen. I kind of enjoyed Worgen a little bit. I thought the, I thought Gilneas was kind of a fun zone. Gilneas is a cool zone. I didn't like that their backstory just seemed kind of so slapped gothic. together. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we're nearing the end of our time here, so we better wrap this up. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the usual places uh, for links and all that. Go to gamersmustdie.com. Uh, thanks for listening.